This is the People, Planet, Prosperity podcast, a project of Canada Action to bring you long-form, in-depth discussion from a positive, fact-based, and non-partisan perspective about our vital natural resource sector. Hi, it's Cody Battershall, founder of Canada Action, a nationwide movement guided by our founding mission to provide positive, fact-based, and non-partisan information for a balanced conversation about all of Canada's natural resources. I'm joined here today with Lynn Exner, Canada Action COO, and we are going to discuss Canada's role in balancing increasing global resource demand with ongoing and increasing calls for environmental protection and sustainability. Natural resources are critical not only to our economy, but also to the well-being of families and communities across the country. And we are going to talk about these important issues and why the world needs more Canadian resources. So Cody, People, Planet, Prosperity podcast. We're here today to talk about why the world needs more Canadian resources. Not a lot of Canadians are thinking about resources every day like you and I are. What do you think is the one or two things that you wish every Canadian knew about the importance of Canadian natural resources? Hey, Lynn, that's a great question. It's so great to be chatting with you about this important topic. You know, as Canadians, we are proud of our Olympians. We're proud of our national parks. We're proud of our sports teams, you know, winning the Grey Cup or or making it to the finals in the Stanley Cup playoffs just this last season. And I think just as just as we have a lot to be proud of in our communities, I think we also have a lot to learn about our level of environmental leadership when it comes to resource production, meeting global demand for a wide array of resources with Canadian produced materials that are, it's truly done to the highest possible environmental standards. And we're always trying to get better. And I think that that is something that as we learn more about, it's something that we can really get excited about. So Cody, is that why, you know, from 10 years ago, you've seen and been behind these, I love Canadian mining, I love Canadian oil and gas, I love Canadian forestry, I love Canadian egg. Those logos were really disruptive because no one used to think about their resources the way we think about our Olympians and our sports teams. Can you tell us a little bit more about where that genesis came from? Yeah, thanks, Lynn. So I just remember, you know, going back now over 10 years ago, just feeling like there wasn't as much balance with some of these topics. There wasn't as much positivity. There wasn't as much context. And there was definitely not enough perspective on Canada's place in the world, how we live, where energy comes from, where food comes from, where houses come from, where iPhones and the internet, what makes it all possible? And I, I, I just didn't feel like there was enough pride, to be honest, in what we were doing and how we were doing it. And so starting the t-shirts was one way in addition to the bumper stickers and, and everything else that we've been doing to get people talking, to start a conversation about why we love Canadian farmers. They're feeding our families and the world. Why we love the women and men who work in our mining industry, constantly trying to improve their environmental performance, supplying the critical materials that make everything around us possible. Same goes for energy, same goes for all of our resources across the country. It's just so important to have that positivity. So I love that. I think it's a great way to try to get that conversation going. As a former science teacher, I remember trying to teach my young students about the importance of resources. And there was a real disconnect in different places 
on how people don't understand where their food and where these things come from. But I do think that regionally across Canada, there's different spaces that understand it better. So I'm from Saskatchewan. People understand a lot more the importance of agriculture there. If you're in Alberta, you probably have a better understanding of where or the importance of oil and gas. If you are coming from, uh, you know, northern Quebec, you're you're really clear on forestry. So do you want to speak a little bit to the importance of natural resources and how they differ across Canada? Yeah, that's a great comment. And, you know, in Saskatchewan, like you said, I mean, potash is a, is a fertilizer that helps the world eat. It enables us to have record crop yields to feed a growing global population. And uh, we are a global leader in potash reserves and production in Saskatchewan. But if you go and ask someone in a different province, you know, ask someone in Ontario about potash, they they may not know enough about it because they are not directly exposed to it. And that's what we have to continue to overcome. It's never about East versus West or us versus them or solar and wind versus oil and gas. It's not about breaking people apart. We need to be talking about bringing people together and reducing friction and polarization and misunderstandings and misinformation to raise the level of decorum so that all provinces can truly understand what they have and how fortunate those local communities are, but also across the country, how blessed we are as Canadians to have an abundance of wood, of mining, of energy, of food, of ag, of all these great resources that our Canadian women and men are producing every day, pouring their hearts into their activities, always trying to support their families, be there for their communities, and also be global leaders when it comes to the environment. So, Cody, we've both spoken to people across Canada about natural resources. We listen to a lot of different groups to find out what it is they're thinking about. One thing I've always noticed is that what might be okay in one place because you're familiar with it, you understand it, it makes you feel safe, might be really scary to people in other parts of the country. An example is when I spend time in northern BC. In British Columbia, the idea of oil and water in the same place is really, really upsetting and causes a lot of polarization. Having said that, you go to the other coast and you're in Newfoundland, the idea of oil and water where they have offshore drilling has actually been a remarkable part for their economy. And so they really appreciate it and, and value it and need it, require it. So two very different spaces. Similarly, I'm from Saskatchewan. We do a lot of uranium mining. In Saskatchewan, we understand the importance of that to our community in terms of that part, but we don't do any value add. We don't have any nuclear reactors. Whereas in Ontario, nuclear power has actually been the single most important reason why Canada's emissions have gone down nationally and they have got power there. So can you comment on what the difference is, how we could maybe work towards when, when you're feeling safe about something in one place because you're familiar with it, that familiarity might help us to understand each other and work together? Yeah, that's such an important topic, Lynn. And, you know, with different regions that have a long-term history of resource production, you know, for example, Atlantic offshore oil and gas, and they have, you know, generations that are that are involved in it, that are used to it. There's hundreds of small businesses and, and local communities that are directly involved in the in the in the responsible production of those resources. And over time, 
you know, everyone that's around it, they they learn more about it and they they understand it. And we need to make sure that for someone who doesn't have that direct access, who can't see the harbor where the ships are going out, who can't hear the helicopters flying people to and from the offshore uh, facilities, you know, we need to make sure that they also can access trusted, balanced information so that it's not a unknown and it's not scary. You know, there are ways that we can mitigate our environmental impacts across all resource sectors and all resource production across the country that we continue to do, but we need to take the fear out of it. I and One example of the fear that I would really, you know, provide, which is disappointing, but it's that, you know, even with some of these natural gas pipelines that are going in in British Columbia, there's a lot of people and groups that are opposed that have actually been saying that it's not natural gas, it's oil or it could be converted to oil. And so it's a really good e example of trying, you know, if we can reduce or or remove the misinformation or the confusion, if we can bring people together to have conversations, I think we can move forward and helping people understand that everyone cares about the environment and everyone's concerns are valid, but let's now look at the science and the facts of how we do things as a country so that we can become more familiar and therefore less afraid or, you know, more, more aware. It's, it's, it's so important, that awareness. So I, I totally echo that. And I think one of the best ways to get that information across is not so much statistics, but like all of us, it's the stories. Who's telling us about this? You know, so when I spend time in places where they're really very upset or concerned about their environment, they have really good reasons for that. And I think it's important that we go in saying everyone who has reasons for either wanting resource development or for not wanting resource development comes from a place of what they think is best for them, their families, and their communities. But the more we can try to understand each other, the more that helps us to kind of say, okay, I can see things, I can meet you in the middle. So can you maybe share with us a couple of stories, uh, you know, places that you know of where people have said, hey, here's my story. Here's a person in this industry where it helps to humanize what's going on rather than think of resource extraction as an industry, as a big business. Yeah, we have to continually remember that when we talk about resources, we're talking about the women and men in these local communities who are putting on their steel-toed boots and their hard hats and going to work. And they're doing that so they can put a roof over the, the head of the heads of their children and provide for their families and support their local communities. There's almost a thousand communities across Canada that are solely reliant upon one singular uh, resource industry for their main economic prosperity. And we have to remember that sometimes in large urban centers, we can forget that there's people like Carl out on Vancouver Island who's driving a truck, who is part of the forestry supply chain, who's so proud and of the advances that have been made over the last 30 years in responsible and sustainable forestry, and who's also at the same time, and rightly so, upset by some of the the misinformation that's out there and that's online. And so getting people, you know, and hearing Carl's story and, and having Carl tell his story, I think it's so powerful when you remember that there's a face, there's a, there's a person, there's a human, there's a family, there's a community behind these resources. It is not some Borg-like entity, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not some faceless company. It is people, it is our fellow Canadians. And we have to have more of those conversations. We have to remember that it's just people talking to people. And um, we get so much further, I think, when we, when we can take the 
the fear and take the the sort of the faceless entity out of it. And just remember, we're talking to Carl, you know, and there's so many more people like Carl across the country. There's so many more stories like that. As we're talking about natural resources, one of the things you said is, you know, across Canada, natural resources matter in every section. But let's talk about Canada as a whole. You know, when we're talking about resources, everyone needs to get, whether it's your energy, whether it's your, um, you know, critical minerals, whether it's your, you know, your canola, whatever those things are, if they're not coming from Canada, they're going to come from someplace else. So let's talk about why we think if we're choosing resources beyond helping Carl and the communities that we talk about, what is the reason for choosing Canadian natural resource products? You know, Lynn, I think when we talk about global population growth, we talk about global energy demand growth, we talk about growth now for advanced batteries for cell phones and personal electronics and also for electric vehicles. All of these things take resources. Everything around us is 100% from the earth. Everything we eat, obviously, water, obviously, but our clothing, our homes, our offices, our cars, our holidays, everything's made possible by natural resources. And Canada has a unique position in the world to be able to provide the resources that are in demand and with growing demand from a position of environmental sustainability and a position of continual improvement. And that's really the Canadian way. And so it's not that well, if Canada doesn't do it, someone else will. It's more that Canada is leading on the environment. If we're looking at environmental metrics, it makes sense. Just like we want fair trade coffee, we want fair trade chocolate, we want to know that our clothing supply chain wasn't necessarily made in unsafe working conditions. There's there's all of these other reasons why we can talk about Canada's record for both the environment, worker safety, human rights, social progress, resource governance, and the equitable distribution of those economic benefits to all Canadians. I think a lot of those metrics, too, for those who are interested, could check out our How Canada Ranks, you know, dot com website and just see that, of course, we've got a lot of reasons, going back to what you said earlier, to be really proud about our resources, our resource workers and how we develop this. And I think it's also important to recognize what is our role, not only in being leaders for how we treat each other within Canada, but how do we share our innovation? One of the things I'm always thinking about that I'm so proud of our Canadian resource workers is they are so innovative and they're always looking for a better way of doing things. Now, we're in a privileged country here. We have the money. We have the capacity that we can allow people to try to do things in a better way without having to just find ways to survive. Talk to us maybe a little bit about the importance of Canada's innovation to then show the way for other countries to do things the same way that we are, that are not going to be able to be those leaders. Yeah, it, you make a really good point that Canada is in a position where we we can and should really be leading. And, and I think we have been. And I think one area that I would that I think is a great example is, is with carbon capture, utilization and storage technology. So Canada has one of the world's only post-combustion coal power plants that has carbon capture and that's at Boundary Dam in Saskatchewan. We also have the Quest Carbon Capture Project in uh, the Edmonton region of Alberta for serving oil sands. We also have the Enhance Carbon Trunk Line. I believe that's the world's currently, it's the largest CO2 pipeline. And then other companies that are actually net negative emitters that are oil companies because of carbon capture. And so utilizing carbon to 
you look at what we did with the X Prize, right? And turning carbon into into concrete or turning carbon into other value added products. The the research, the innovation, the collaboration is just it's ongoing, and it's something that it's such a success story from our sort of innovation and technology ecosystem. And I think as Canadians, when you know when we look at our record with CCUS. And we're like something like almost 20% of the world's large commercialized projects. When we invest in that technology to work out the kinks and to, you know, figure it out, we can then export that knowledge to other countries that maybe don't have the capacity up front to be investing right out of the gates. And so I think there's a tremendous opportunity for that continued collaboration and the sharing around the world. Another quick example would be with our energy regulation. There's a lot of other jurisdictions that have emulated or modeled or copied how they regulate their energy industry based on our existing template of world leadership. Yeah, amazing. So lots of reasons for us to be really proud of Canadian natural resources, for sure. I think some of the things you talked about today is, you know, the importance to Canadian communities. Uh, We've discussed the importance of understanding in each different community when you have a familiarity with a resource, you trust the Canadian men and women who are working hard to extract those resources. We know we can be proud of Canada's stringent environmental, social, and governance regulations. And we can be really proud of our ability to share our innovation and our knowledge with other places so we can all improve. Going back then, what do you think are the three things that you wish that Canadians domestically, though, knew about our resource sector that would help us start that trend towards an understanding? Well, I think first and foremost is just how far we've come. So the familiarity. I mean, you look back 30 years to the issues on Vancouver Island with forestry, and you look at how far we've come and that we are learning as we go. We are you know, committed to continual improvement. And now Canada is in an enviable position where we have, I think, almost 50% of the world certified sustainable forestry. It's an amazing success story. And you still see issues today with forestry in the news, but we also need to remember there's also a growing amount of Indigenous communities that are being consulted that are are working with with various resource industries as partners from the from the from the ground up not as an afterthought later and we need to also be looking at you know these communities and their right to say yes rather than just you know everyone's right to say no and sort of balancing out differing opinions within within our first nations and indigenous communities and i think when people learn about the number of indigenous communities that are already working in forestry, in mining, in oil and gas, in agriculture. It's a main source of, of income and employment for these communities. That's also something that's really important as we talk about raising the quality of living on all of these rural indigenous communities and for all Canadians in general. And then I think really we're not just producing resources just because we're producing resources that are in demand. And it's hard to really reflect upon the scope of, of, say, global population, how far it's grown in the last 200 years, and that it's still going to continue growing. So we need more food for more mouths. We need more energy. When, when it comes to energy, oil is still going to be a very important part of our global energy mix in decades to come. Wind and solar is going to continue to be a growing and important part of our energy mix for decades to come. And natural gas is going to be a key component of affordable, reliable, backup, baseload power generation for decades to come. And Canada is also a leader in hydroelectricity, and we need to advance innovation in small modular reactors and nuclear power. Canada has all of those resources. We have the people, we have the innovation, we have the know-how. And I think 
just when we put Canada, how Canada ranks into the context of what's happening around the world, I think as more Canadians participate and learn, we have so much to be proud of. Okay, Cody, last question for you. I'm going to ask you to pull out your magic eight ball and I want you to predict the future for me. What would it look like if we were to successfully shut down some of Canadian natural resource development? Because there is a move to say for environmentalism's sake that we need to shut some of this down. Tell us what you think that would look like. What would the impact be on Canada if we were to lose our resource sectors? Well, this is really important. So we talk about substitution. It's, it's not Canadian oil and gas or nothing. It's Canadian oil and gas or another producer. It's not Canadian forestry and wood products or n- nothing. I mean, if it was nothing, then we'd have no homes, no paper products, right? So, you, you know, mining, right? Electric vehicles and critical minerals and, and metals and uh, rare earths. We know that there's production concentrated in a lot of other jurisdictions that don't have the same level of transparency or environmental progressiveness. So if we shut down... Canadian, uh, here's an example, Keystone XL. Keystone XL is opposed by anti-pipeline groups for a decade. Eventually, it is finally, it's cancelled. In that decade, oil demand increased by 10 million barrels per day. In that decade, blocking and opposing and fighting Keystone XL did not prevent a single barrel of oil from being produced. And in that decade, what happened was other producers of heavy oil continued to supply their heavy oil often with weaker or non-existent climate regulations and environmental metrics into the U.S. Gulf Coast instead of that production, instead of having to compete with Canada and instead of that production potentially coming from Canada. So the biggest winners, those other producers. And uh, if we shut down Canadian resource production, if we shut down Canadian oil and gas, for example, we would be, it would be like a race to build import terminals because how are we going to get our gas and our natural gas, our heating and all of the products that go into thousands of uses that we all don't even realize in everyday life. So uh, whether it's forestry, we would have no houses or we'd be importing wood and wood products. If it was energy, we've talked about that. Mining, we'd have no vehicles. We'd have no iPhone, no cell phones, no internet, no electrical generation infrastructure. We'd have no water pipes and, and water treatment facilities. We'd have, you know, everything is made from mining, from energy and, and from other uh, uh, chemicals. And, you know, additionally, when it comes to agriculture, I mean, if we shut down Canadian agriculture, we're going to be importing all of our food and we're not going to have security. We're not going to have reliability. We're not going to have the best possible pricing with the highest possible environmental impact, uh, uh, highest possible environmental levels of production with the lowest possible impact. So it's not all or nothing in, in, in these conversations. It's often painted that way, but it's it's not realistic. It's not reality. It's not Like one plus one equals two. And many people would say that one plus one equals 2.5 or three or one and a half. Like that's the conversation they're pushing when when people or celebrities or whomever are pushing to shut down Canadian resources. It is ridiculous and it does not make sense. (laughs) So takeaways from today, Cody. One, we should be proud of our Canadian resources, all of them, just like we're proud of our Olympians, that we should be trying to understand people from different parts of our of our country, knowing that in every region, we are taking good care of our people, of our planet and our prosperity and the resources are part of that. Uh, I think it's been really great talking to you about this today. And I can't wait to uh, come back and talk in more depth about some of the other topics related to Canadian natural resources. Any last words? Thanks, Lynn. Great conversation. You know, 
I would encourage all of our listeners to check out howcanadaranks.com. You know, we really talk about Canada's place in the world and all of the different metrics, whether it's for protecting people or for the planet and how we are leading. I think it's important to note that we are not perfect, but we are always trying to get better. And that's really something we should be proud of. And I think it's important to note that the world wants and needs what we have and what we produce. And the more we work together, the more we build bridges, the more we can find common ground, the faster we're going to see these things through and be able to kind of find that meet in the middle on a lot of these polarized issues. We've got to reduce polarization, raise the level of decorum. Check us out on our, all of our social media channels. We're talking about this stuff every single day. And if you want to get your I Love Forestry or I Love Mining shirt, check out our online store, canadaction.ca. 